Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Get Into It podcast. My name is Tamia. This is Raina, and let's get into it. Let's get into it. So as you guys know, this is going to be the second part to our natural hair mini series that we have going on right now. And today we're going to be talking more about the legislative side of things and um, basically what now, now that Mm. we are 21 and 20 years old, what does this mean for us going into the corporate world? Mm -hmm. And specifically, we're going to talk about how like with everything that we said in the prior episode, what does this mean for a career? Like Tamia said in the corporate world, but more specifically the legal world where, Mm -hmm. you know, less than 6% of lawyers are black people and even less than that are are black women. So what does this mean? Navigating hairstyles and just kind of like, I think we're alluding to just appearance in general, but yeah. um, but the main focus of, of this podcast, this episode here being being hair. Um, and I guess, Tamia, I will kick things off with a little bit of public policy, a little bit of history here. Yeah, this is Raina's. This is Raina's wheelhouse. Right yeah, here. this is not thing right here. But basically, just to kind of, I guess, you know, set, get, get the ball rolling for this episode. Um, I want to specifically look at two pieces of legislation. The first being HR 5309, that means House Resolution 5309, the Crown Act of 2020. Um, This bill was introduced by Representative Cedric L. Richmond. He's actually now serving in the Biden administration, I believe. Um, And basically, the Crown Act stands for creating a respectful and open world for Natural Hair Act of 2020 or Crown Act. Um, And basically this bill prohibits discrimination based on the person's hair texture or hairstyle, if that style or texture is commonly associated with a particular race or national origin, et cetera, et cetera. That's just the the jargon of it. The other piece of legislation I wanted to touch on was like the state version of the Crown Act, which was first passed in the state assembly in California, the first of its kind. That actually did go through. So the Crown Act on the national level as in the House resolution, has not gone through yet. It passed the House Mm -hmm. and it got to the Senate and it was deferred to the Committee on the Judiciary for review. Um, Knowing about the political landscape right now, this this piece of legislation is probably getting put on the back burner right now and we won't see it probably go through committee for a while, um, given that they have a lot of coronavirus stuff and other, other things going on. Um, so basically the crown act, the state version of it in California was passed and our beloved New Jersey and New York actually adopted a similar version of that piece of legislation. And I kind of want to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to direct this question towards Tamia, but I kind of just want to say like, you know, this is great. You know, we have, we have a stride, we have it in policy, we have it in, 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 in writing now. Mm-hmm. that you can't discriminate somebody on on the basis of their hair texture, the thing that grows out of their head or the yeah. hairstyles that are used to protect the hair that grows out of people's heads. Um, but I kind of want to say here and, and kind of ask you this to me. Okay, we have this. That's mm-hmm. nice. That's not addressing, and it, and it will never address the implicit bias that yeah. you cannot prove the 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 underlying old overt sorry covert racism that you can't prove. So although it's in writing and I think it's necessary and I and I love it, like I'm not against it. What what does this what is this really doing for us? Especially given that it hasn't even passed the Senate, so it's not a law yet. And two, only certain states have adopted different versions of it. So what mm-hmm. what is this even like? What is this? If, if anything, like what is this even doing? Yeah. Yeah. And when I feel like when you, when you hear that something like this is like, um, first of all, it's 2020. The fact that this has to be passed, like, like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been, we're literally, well, no, it's 2021. This was put into motion in 2020, mm-hmm. but like the fact that this needs to be said and there needs to be something put in place so that like, it's like illegal for it to happen is already crazy. Mm-hmm. But also, like you said, it's like even before this, um, the Crown Act and everything, it was like they never outwardly said, I'm firing you because you have in box braids. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's coded language. Like you said, there's things you can't necessarily prove. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I feel like as a black person, you just know we have the sixth sense, you know, it's like, you, you know, when the looks are different, you Mm -hmm. know, when you're treated differently or looked at differently, when you change like your hairstyle or something, when you change something up, you know? So there's, I feel like even before all this, there wasn't, there's very rare instances where someone is blatantly fired. Like the per- the employer says, I'm firing you because you decided to wear your box braids or mm-hmm. your locks. Yes, it does happen. But I feel like in a lot of instances, it's usually like they make up some type of excuse. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a, they cover it up in some way, like, you know, so like, I'm, I'm kind of asking the same thing. Like, so what does this necessarily do? Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's not just going to solve that issue. It's not going to solve that issue of like, you know, no matter what me as a black woman, me change it. Cause when I said I change my hair, like every two business days, like it's at this point, it's like a, it's always changing. So it doesn't change that. Like me as a black woman, if I'm working in a setting with majority white people mm-hmm. or majority people who are not black, there is still that inherent bias that a lot of them have about certain hairstyles that black people have. Mm -hmm. Like you'll always hear that people find dreads or locks unprofessional Mm -hmm. or if a, if a black woman or a black guy has big natural hair, like that can be seen as unprofessional. Mm -hmm. Like if it's not sleek and straight or just quote unquote tame, Mm -hmm. it's seen as like unprofessional. So Mm does this having it in writing and making it illegal it's like okay it it does something of course but it doesn't it's not going to fix that inherent bias that Mm -hmm. a lot of employers and people have within the workplace Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is also like all this being said this is not to invalidate the the hard work that these black members of congress are doing to get exactly. this stuff passed yeah but it's like we're entering this i actually read this really good article the other day um that basically said like you know as we move into an era of like quote-unquote color blindness and like you know implicit bias and all of these like race neutral types of settings it's good it's actually going to get harder for people to be able to prove that discrimination exists therefore mm-hmm. invalidating and disproving a lot of their experiences. And I think, and I think the author described it as, you know, we can treat the, we can treat the symptoms, but we're not treating the disease. Like a lot of times, like we're putting these band-aids over, over the problems of our society and we're not addressing the real problem, which is oftentimes racism, classism, all these different isms, but most, most prominently racism and classism. Um, But yeah, I mean, like kind of like what I said and I wanted to kind of touch more on in this episode is like you know me when I was first interning on Capitol Hill working for a black member of Congress in a black majority like black staffer office mm-hmm. I still took my box braids out like I was wearing protective styles for the entire year before and I made the conscious decision to get it sewn for the first time, essentially, and invest that money and invest invest in those extensions and, and do that and wear my hair straight. And that, like, I I mean, I just feel like it's like, it's like we were t- kind of touching on the last episode, like, you know, everyone their everyone's natural hair journey is different, but that was like the first time. I really consciously made a decision about my hair for my mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. And even though I was working for a black member of Congress, like mind you, the first black woman to get elected to represent New Jersey, I was working for her and I was still changing up my hair. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go to that office unless my hair was done. If my hair wasn't done, you better believe it was in a slicked back bun. Like, it, it, it wasn't even, I don't even think for me, at least, I don't, I don't even think it was about the office. It was about everyone else outside yeah. when I was going to briefings, when I was going to this, when I was on my way to work, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like that was the, that that's when it really became clear to me that I was like, wow, like, is this what I have to do? Like, is this a personal choice or is like, is this what society's telling me to do? I kind of feel like I'm still grappling with those feelings, to be honest. Yeah. And I remember when you were like juggling with that decision, it was like the, like the summer before 
you went to school it was like august before you left and you were like bro i'm just gonna start i already ordered the hair like i'm about to just get, start getting sew-ins and this and this was when you were kind of going on your journey of trying to like nurse your natural hair back to health you know just wear your protective mm-hmm. styles kind of thing and i remember you being like it's gonna damage my hair but like it's kind of what i need to do mm-hmm. and i think that's so crazy how we have to sometimes think about okay we're compromising the health of our hair like our hair might take that might this will have a huge toll on our hair possibly but like I feel like this is what I need to do mm-hmm. and I kind of think this goes back I had this conversation with my mom a couple nights ago how um perms and everything were so much more um popular like back in the day or whatever and that's for multiple reasons but I was like I feel like it all kind of boils down to survival mm-hmm. you know like black women especially had to perm their hair or constantly straighten their hair to be seen as acceptable in the workplace, which is mm-hmm. kind of a form of survival. Like if it I is. don't do this- You have to go to work. Yeah, if I don't do this, I can't, I possibly can't work. Or for a fact, I can't work. I cannot work in this setting. And then how am I gonna make money? And then how am I gonna feed my family? So it, it sounds crazy to say like straightening our hair was a form of survival, but it, but it, but it was, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like that kind of carries into today where it's like, okay, some Black women or Black people might not feel like they necessarily have to straighten their hair, but there is still that feeling of, I don't think I can just walk in there with my hair natural. What, like, God-given, if I were to wash my hair and style it however I want to style it, that would not be seen as acceptable. Mm-hmm. And, like, for me, um, even when I was working, it's the crazy, because even when I was working retail, in high school I think the only job where I didn't feel like I needed to change my hair was when I was working at the pool mm-hmm. in high school but that's because I was working with peers from my school and it didn't feel like you know it didn't feel weird a lot of people of just, color too and a lot of people of color so that's I feel like that's the only job I've ever had where I didn't feel like I had to change my hair but when I was working retail before I went to college one I was the only black person that worked there not the only person of color I had a coworker who was Hispanic but they like you know I was only black girl mm-hmm. and black person so I remember like I did my like own braids or something and I feel like every black girl can relate to this you know those comments when you first get your hair done and you go around it's usually people make jokes about it being like a teacher or something it's like it's it's sometimes it's a nice gesture for them to be like oh I just like your hair but when sometimes they can feel like they're poking and prodding Mm -hmm. when it's consistently brought up that like you change your hair so much right or like oh you look different you look like a different person like those kind of things and I remember being like okay so if I do this style like planning out my hair like if I do this style I'm gonna have to wear it in for like this long because I don't want to be like that black girl that's constantly looking different all the time at work Mm mm-hmm which is like, I shouldn't have to think like that. At first I was retail, like, come on. But it's a reality. Like, and we kind of touched on in the last episode, but how I feel about my hair also depends on the setting. Mm-hmm. So now with us wanting to go into the corporate world, more specifically, we want to go into law, the legal field, which Raina touched on is um, widely, you know, domin- dominated by white people. Mm-hmm. So it is very likely that wherever we work, we might be one of the only people that look like us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which will have an effect on, you know, how we feel like we need to look or act in the workplace and what we can and can't do or say because we are one of the only people that look like us there. Mm-hmm. And I constantly think about that because. I've become so comfortable with being able to like just wear my hair where however I want in college and like, you know, basically do whatever I want with my hair that I feel like I have to give up that versatility mm-hmm. and the happiness that that brings me because of the job I'm doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which like sucks to think about. And I wish it wasn't like that. And hopefully down the line within our lifetime, we see that kind of change. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're close enough to that to where by the time I start working, I'll feel like I can do whatever I want with my natural hair and not feel out of place or feel like I'm being looked at differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this whole conversation is kind of reminding me of 
one time I went to a, a a briefing when I was interning on for for Booker, and I went to a briefing. It was actually on like the lack of black representation in the medical field, and the Congressional Black Caucus was declaring it a public health crisis. And so I went to that briefing and I remember sitting down in this very, very small room and seeing Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, Texas, and Representative Barbara Lee, hair natural. And if you know, like if you can, if you Google Representative um, Sheila Jackson Lee, she has her hair in very intricate, beautiful, like a braided updo. And that's mm -hmm. like her signature look. And um, Representative Barbara's been wearing her hair natural since she first entered politics. It's like a cute shortcut. And, you know, example, Karen Bass, Representative Karen Bass, chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, like wears her hair natural. And like, and infamously, Representative Ayanna Presley is bald. Like she went bald because of her alopecia. And that was like a huge mm -hmm. statement. But before she was wearing these versatile Senegalese twists and all of these different types of hairstyles and it's like, even the people that like I look up to and like I hypothetically would aspire to be are doing this. But for me, it's like, I, I like it to me, it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. like that's why I kind of feel like it goes back to like personal, like, you know, it's itself. And I honestly kind of feel like a lot of that has to do with like one, like where I go to school. I feel like if I was maybe possibly like if, if my PWI had more black people or if I went to an HBCU, I feel like my experience with my hair in college, specifically at these internships would be a lot different. Mm. Um, I know that like, cause I mean, GW is crazy with the internship culture and I'm seeing yeah. folks all around me interning on the hill and they don't look like me and I'm just like oh I gotta look like them but it's not even it's not even necessarily reflective on the member because the members I'm working for not they're not they're not concerned about that so it's so like complex and like you know even like Cory Booker's chief counsel who just got appointed to to the Biden administration she wears her natural afro so it's like it's there it's yeah. there, it's there, it's there. It's not enough because not everyone feels like they can do it, obviously, aka case study me. <laughs> but I don't know. It's that's why it's like I, I'm like grappling with this because it's so complicated and it seems like it's not, but but it really, really is. And I kind of like mm -hmm. I would I I want to sit here and say that, like, yes, I'm gonna wear my hair natural when I when I partner with that firm. But I can't confidently say that I will right now. Mm. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And like, like you said about how would your relationship with your hair and like the workplace change if you went to an HBCU, if you had more black students that went to your university, my, I'm the same way, except like the opposite. Like at Morgan, I've had to be in like corporate settings and just for like, for example, my freshman year, um, in a freshman orientation class, I had like five major presentations I had to do uh, throughout the year that, and there were like judges sitting in, it was for large parts of my grade. So um, I had to dress in business formal attire for those. And um, I remember not thinking about how I was gonna wear, I mean, thinking about how I was gonna wear my hair, but not in the sense of they won't accept me if I wear my natural hair out. And I mm -hmm. think that has to do with the fact that I go to an HBCU and everyone that was looking back at me while I was presenting were, were black mm -hmm. and the judges were black. Like, you know, like I did presentations and braids and stuff, but I can only imagine how that might've been different if I went to a PWI or if I was at Raina school. Like, you know, what I'd be stressing about, well, I can't wear my natural hair. I better just put it in a bun mm -hmm. or like, let me, let me straighten it for this like huge presentation that I have, you know? And, um, I was talking to Jade on the phone about this just a couple of days ago. Cause, um, we love to bounce off ideas with each other. Like what, what our next natural hair, what our next hairstyle is going to be. And, you know, like when I wear braids or twists, like they're usually hanging pretty long. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't go to my shoulders or right below my shoulders. Like if I put in braids or twists, they're hanging to like damn near, like damn near my butt, you know, because I just like that look. But then I think about it as, OK, I feel like that's not going to be acceptable in the workplace. I can't have them that long. If I were to do them, they'd need to be 
an acceptable length, maybe like at my like chest area or something like even even things like that, where it's like, damn, I have to sacrifice kind of like what I feel like I look the prettiest in what I feel like the most confident in Mm -hmm. just for the comfortability of the other people that work around me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I it's upsetting to think about. And like Raina said, I can't sit here today and say that like when I get to where I want to be in my career or when I'm in the door of like where I want to be that I'm going to wear my natural hair Mm -hmm. like I can't say that I might start a year from now you might hear me saying yeah I'm definitely going to start just straightening my hair and Mm -hmm. just like cutting it or whatever or doing whatever I can and I never want to I never want to feel like you know I can only start accepting my natural hair wearing my natural hair or whatever once I'm high enough in my career where someone can't tell me I can't do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like I don't want to be in a position where okay I'm high enough I'm sitting high enough in my career where now I can wear my hair however I want because there's no one to tell me I can't like I don't want to start doing it then because then it's like I had to sacrifice for all these years just to feel comfortable again Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of what we're talking about is like touching on the politics of identity and it's like whatever whatever a person of color or a black person or or any type of minority group does that's in closer proximity I've said this time and time again on this podcast but it's in closer proximity to whiteness it's more accepted Mm -hmm. and I feel like in specific to my identity the fact that you know I'm a mixed black woman and like I have I'm light-skinned and all that like when I straighten my hair (laughs) sometimes people can't even tell that I'm black you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've gotten I've gotten the are you Indian are you are you Hispanic well, you know you can have there's such thing as Afro Latinos but you know what I'm saying like like are you are you Spanish or like what are you right so it's like when I straighten my hair it's kind of like low-key like I can like <laughs> Like someone could walk up to me and be like, oh, like she's not black. Oh, she's mm-hmm. something else. Oh, maybe she's a, one of those model minorities. Like, you see what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, it's like all of that comes to play. And that's why identity politics is so important because you can't just sit here and say like, oh, straightening your hair is not a big deal. My dad always teases me about, oh my God, Brandy, you're always doing your hair. Always straightening your hair. Why are you doing this? Oh, just leave your hair like that. It looks fine. Yeah, whatever. All pure intentions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. my dad loves loves my natural hair. He wishes that I wore my natural hair more. He tells me that all the time. He's like, why do you just, why can't you just leave it like that? Just leave it like that. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I can imagine him saying that. <laughs> I know. Cause he's always saying whenever I have my hair out, he's like, I love it like that. Let's just keep it like that. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I think he's saying it because usually I try to ask him for money to get my hair done. But you mm-hmm. know, it's just his pockets hurt yeah I'm making his pockets hurt for real so it's like it's like it's complicated because it's kind of like I I could be if straightening a black woman straightening her hair is not only about being like you know allowing her to have agency and versatility over her image but it's also like I can escape this one type of oppression by just doing this right now because I don't want to deal with it it's like it's like a temporary band-aid I think that's what people fail to understand when you don't look at identity politics you're just like okay they're just doing too much right now no like a lot of it there's a meaning behind it and I mean like even prominent black figures like people who I look up to kind of what I mentioned before but like Michelle Obama, we was just talking about her her fire silk press at the inauguration with the band. Yep. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she looked fire, right? Michelle mm-hmm. Obama, we only seen her natural hair a couple of times and it was out when she was out of office, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abby Phillips, the lead political uh, reporter on CNN, hair's always straight. Angela Rye, famous political commentator, hair is always straight. Like mm-hmm. a lot of those type of figures, besides the ones that I've listed earlier, we're seeing straight hair. We're, we're seeing a certain type of quote unquote look, which is not to downplay how they're, you know, they can do whatever they want. Is their body their choice? Like they can do whatever with their look. We mm-hmm. can both do whatever with their look. But when, when we start getting to that, like Kamala Harris. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like, it's like, usually it's going to be straight hair 
So if we're trying to enter that profession and the majority of it is black women straightening their hair, like what are we supposed to, what are we doing now? Like, exactly. With that. Yeah. And we kind of touched on this in the AAVE episode, um, how, you know, we're sitting here talking about how, okay, what am I going to do when I'm in my um, career with my hair and how we are literally sitting here saying, I could not walk into like my job with box braids. I wouldn't feel comfortable or Senegalese twist or Marley twist, faux locks, anything like that. And so I feel like, and then, and that's why we get like so upset and passionate about, but then box braids, cornrows become a trend Mm -hmm. when someone that is non-black, that a celebrity does that. And it's because it becomes like this trend, quote unquote, and now everyone wants them. And then a lot of non-black people start wearing them and it becomes like, oh, but it's just hair. But for me, it's not just hair. Mm -hmm. One, it's a part of our culture. And two, like I am not, I would not be accepted in my place of work if I wore that hairstyle, which is literally a part of my culture. Mm -hmm. But you can wear it and get like all this praise. Mm -hmm. And even on a smaller level, it's like, even like when black women do some things, it's like called ghetto. Mm-hmm. that's that's ghetto that's ugly like if if a black girl has like a colored wig or whatever that's ghetto that's ugly but let someone that's non-black possibly do it and it's like oh that is gorgeous mm-hmm. like you know so it's even those small things so like Raina said like there's all these images of like strong black women in positions of power but like a lot of them have that straight hair well the, not all of them of course but a lot of them have straight hair and like, yeah, it's like they can do what they want with their hair. It's, we're not sitting here saying like they shouldn't be straightening their hair because it sets a bad image. But most likely they started straightening their hair because they understood they had to. Mm-hmm. That's to get key. To that's and that's key. key. It was probably was not a decision. It pro- Most likely they were not just out here wearing their hair straight before they got into the world of politics or whatever area of whatever career they're in. And they had to possibly make that decision one day. Like, I need to start doing this so that I can move my way up in my career. Or and even that's like, it's easier to manage because I have so much time on my plate. I don't have time to care for my natural. Yeah, or that. Because like we kept saying in the last episode, it takes so much time, patience, and money to maintain your natural hair. So if you don't have that time, patience, or financial support to do that, straightening your hair is it's easy to maintain you know you straighten it and you don't have to get it done for what then like week well for me it would probably have to be like a week but some people can go two three weeks and even so like even if you just straighten it at first or at least blow dry it even like the simple thing of blow drying you could put in an easier braid out mm-hmm. easier to manage longer to last so it's just that there's it's so that's why it's like you know what, what you said here like it's so frustrating when we see um you know, non-black people appropriate these styles. Yeah. Um, because it's like, you know, a lot of it, first of all, it's not even compatible with a lot of um, hair textures. Like even me, when I get like, I have like 3B, 3C hair, even when I get used a certain type of braiding hair, my braids, like my hair doesn't like that. And my hair could, it could get a little messy because my hair is on mm-hmm. the looser side. So I can only imagine what that's doing <laughs> to 2A hair. <laughs> like, you know what I'm Just saying? People like, that aren't, people that don't have like thick, natural, coily, kinky hair. Yeah. So it's like, it's not even, and like, I was kind of talking about this a couple, Um, I think I, I spoke to you and my mother about this, but even like the heritage and the, and the cultural legacy of, of hair braiding and cornrowing has roots back to like African ancestry. Mm-hmm. Like all over the diaspora, like people who were taken from from their homes and shipped into slavery, braided beans and rice and and maps into their hair yeah. for survival. So when Tamia says hair is the, the politics of hair is the politics of survival, it's that literal. Mm-hmm. A it lot really of this, yeah, a lot of the stuff that we eat, rice and peas and all and and yams and all this stuff was taken from africa via these ships via their heads like it's it's complicated so i mean 
it's just, I, you know, and I definitely agree with you when you're saying here, like, it's like, it's so frustrating when we see that, because we know that if we put that in our head, we wouldn't be treated the same way. And although we're making change, you know, we're making progression, that doesn't mean that it's not still an issue. And I think that's what oftentimes people like to say, like, they'll see, you know, one black person wear braids in the workplace and be like, oh, well, she can do it. So uh, you guys are just complaining now. Yep. It's over now. Yeah, it's so much deeper than like, there was one, you know what, like, I'm not even going to sugarcoat this. Like, if I was working in a setting with a majority of like white people and say it was like me and a couple other other black women and black men, if one showed up with box braids, I would literally be like, your courage, <laughs> I am jealous. <laughs> because I, we just like, you know, I feel like some, I feel like as a black person, we just, we just, like I said, we have this sense. It's just, it's just a different you just know when when you're being possibly judged or discriminated against because of it. It does not have to be said. Like we can pick up on it, like, you know? So for the black women that are out here wearing their natural hair and protective styles in corporate settings, especially settings that have a majority where you are definitely the minority, like there's not a lot of people that look like you, like I admire your courage because I don't think I'm at a place where I could definitely do that Mm -hmm. and I don't know when I'll be at a place when I can do that I can I can only imagine myself doing that if if I'm working in a setting with a majority of other black people or I'm the boss yeah or I'm the boss like I feel like that's the only way I'll feel comfortable enough but like um like Raina was saying like braids and everything first of all those are protective styles so us wearing cornrows braids twists is not just for the look or mm-hmm. fashion, you know? Like, it's literally because we want to protect our hair. Like, we want to get our hair out of our face for a little bit, but have it in a style where our hair can still grow and be healthy. So when people, like you said, that are non-Black, that have, like, 2A hair, naturally straight, like, you get up out the shower and that thing is straight, and when it dries, it's straight, and you're doing it strictly for the look and fashion, first of all, like, it, it's not compatible for your hair, so it's very it could very much happen that your hair will fall out. Mm-hmm. Like natural hair, protective styles are made for natural hair because they can support that tension and tightness, you know? And like Raina said, she has 3B, 3C hair and some natural protective styles don't work on her. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing it just for the fashion of it and you're, non- you're not black, it's like, come on, like, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's like really frustrating because like you know I hate when they try to pull that like you know I'm just appreciating it right but you can you can appreciate it without doing it you know because mm-hmm. I'm literally sitting here talking about how I would admire someone's courage to wear that style in a workplace as a black person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know so but I guess the question is Raina where do where do we go from here like literally <laughs> Where where do we go from here? We're talking about how we don't feel comfortable. We don't know when we'll feel comfortable. But we're about to be thrown in that setting very soon. Right. Right. So where where do we go from here? <laughs> sheesh. Ciao. Sheesh. Sheesh. I oh. mean, I mean, as you guys can tell, I'm not sure if we have the answer. But yeah. I know for me personally, I think I'm going to try to do a little bit of more self, self exploration with my natural hair and, and mm-hmm. try to build more confidence. You know, I always say, if you know me, you always say, I always say that, <laughs> you know, my dad raised me to have the confidence of a white man, AKA you walk into any space and feel like you're privileged and entitled to anything. Yeah. That's, that's the type of, that's the type of, you know, white people can just go around, especially white men. They just, they, they go around and just not, they're not worried about a single thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, you know, the, 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 the prime minister of um, England, his hair, Boris, is his name Boris Johnson? His hair be looking his crazy. His hair, bro. His hair be looking crazy. When I tell you confidence of a white man, entitlement of a white man, that's what I need he to have looking- at that point. That's the- let me walk into a let me walk into a workplace with even one baby hair out of place. Right. You know, like one framing my hair, my head incorrectly and this crazy look. Right. But that man, he wakes up and says whatever. Right. That's 
that's the entitlement and confidence that I'm gonna need if I want to wear my braids in in a legal setting in the legal corporate setting no for real I mean that's all that's all jokes y'all don't take me too literally and twist my words if you don't know we're joking then yeah also all people can all people have confidence like this is not gatekeeping the concept of confidence that's dumb but you know I'm just like I think it's, I think for me, at least, Tam, it has to be a self journey because unless I can fully and wholly, or at least get close to accepting my hair for the way that it is, no matter what, I'm not going to be able to enter that setting with it, with it like that. So I need, I think, and I think that's going to involve a lot of me, like taking a break from extensions and, and kind of just like slowly working my way. Quarantine helped me a little bit because I was wearing my hair out for like six, seven months. Mm-hmm. so that was definitely like good for me and like I just took my extensions out so I'll be extension free for a while so I think like kind of like you know working with that keeping my hair healthy like learning more tips kind of like what we've been slowly doing throughout our lives I think I'm just have to keep pushing it and hope by the time I sign that contract we almost there <laughs> yeah yeah hmm what what do I think for what now so I, I have confidence. I love my natural hair. The issue here isn't how I feel about my natural hair. It's how I feel about how people perceive it in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably going to do it how I had to learn to love my natural hair and just throw myself into it. I can see myself getting to a point where I'm like, I refuse to kind of, um, I, I, re- I refuse to make you guys comfortable at the expense of making myself uncomfortable mm-hmm. and um, walk into work one day of braids and see what makes some shake. Mm-hmm. I can see myself doing that one day. How far down the line? I don't know. Like I said, I, I find like black women that are able to do that right now. Like you have courage that I wish I had. So that's why I'm saying I'm building up to be that oh, I wish I had her courage mm-hmm. person. I want I want to be that because I can't imagine living my whole life in this career, not my whole life, but a majority, majority of my career in just like not being happy with my hair because I can't wear it the way I want to because I genuinely love wearing my hair natural. Mm-hmm. And I love wearing my hair in braids and stuff. That is how I would prefer to always and forever wear my hair. Mm-hmm. Can I? Yes. But will that possibly cause barriers and obstacles on my journey to where I want to be? Yes. So, you know what? Like Raina said, it's just going to be a journey. I can literally see myself right now as when I first start getting into that world, you know, whether that be straightening my hair, constantly wearing it in a bun, something. But I know one day I'm going to just get fed up and be like, if someone has something to say, let's see what they say. Mm-hmm. You know, like, cause I, at this point, I'm not about to be, like I said, making you guys comfortable at the expense of being, me being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how far down the line that is. Hopefully I'm working in a setting where I feel completely comfortable already to where um, I don't feel like I have to force myself to wear my hair in a way that I, that I feel like would make me quote unquote fit in. Mm-hmm. But as we know, the field we want to go into, it's very likely, mm-hmm. you know, specifically the legal field. Like Raina said, less than 6% of lawyers are Black and even less are Black women. Mm-hmm. So, but we're trying to change that, you know? Yeah, bro. It's a long road coming. And I know it stresses me out thinking about it. I know, bro. I'm telling you, I've had like the itch <laughs> to want to just cut my hair oh my gosh the way you read my mind cut it cut it like I'm talking about cut it yeah because I feel like there's acceptable forms of natural hair in the workplace um I feel like if you have 3a natural hair Mm -hmm. like the like if you look up curly hair like that very large like coils what people believe to be the prettiest curly hair I feel like, you know, that's a little more acceptable because it's a little more like, it it has more of a, it falls, it has more of a quote unquote picture perfect kind of like look about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Closer to whiteness. 
closer to whiteness and also I feel like shorter natural hair is a little more accepted I don't know why mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I've I've flirted with the idea of cutting my hair for it but like I, I don't know I like my long hair I don't want to cut it just because I feel like I need to like fit in wherever I'm working I don't know and it's not really about fitting in it's about you know because I want to be not feel alienated right wherever I work but I don't know bro this is gonna be interesting <laughs> to see you know how this plays out with us in our journey with our natural hair as we enter the legal field i know if y'all if y'all see me in 10 years with my hair straight as a as a what what do they say straight as a pen straight as a i don't even know straight as a line i don't know i don't know what what i'm trying to use straight as a bone i don't know yeah straight as a bone whatever (laughs) mind your business no listen business (laughs) listen that's what i'm saying if y'all catch me if y'all catch me like five years five to ten years and my hair is either really short because i said f it or it is straight with extensions just mind Mind your your business business. (laughs) mind your business business. let me work let me just let me just go about my life because like we said it's my journey and what i want to do with my hair is my business and and that's for everyone that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know, bro. So I guess we kind of like just didn't answer this question, but it was fun talking about it. <laughs> but it's true. Like we don't have the answer. Yeah. We, we literally don't have the answer. Yeah. For it. And I don't think anyone has the answer for it. The, the answer is dismantling racism. That's the answer. Truly. That's- Truly. Because what we are, a lot of what's deemed as being professional is rooted in racism. Also, can we, so. can we talk about another thing here not really related to related to hair okay just just shoot professionalism shoot. in general let's oh talk about, let's talk about tattoos and piercings no when i tell you if i was not trying to be a lawyer i would have been had a half sleeve and mm-hmm. everything by now i it's something that i know i want to do it's how i want to express myself on my body and everything but it's the way i j- haven't done it because i want to be a lawyer and mm-hmm. I know that there will be probably some stigmas around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the like, way, what is, what even is that? Yes. It's the way in which I have like 13 piercings in my ear. You do. <laughs> you do. It's the way in which I, I, including an industrial, like nose piercing. We both have nose piercings. I feel like nose piercings mm-hmm. are not, not really. Yeah. Nose piercings, they're, they're, they're not as bad. Cause I mean, we have small studs, yeah, but who mm, nah, mm. dragging it um but i mean like yeah i got 12 piercings in my ear including an industrial and i think i feel like when people see an industrial they're like yo (laughs) yeah um i confidently wore all those piercings to work though to be honest um Mm -hmm. but tats man (laughs) and like i i also think that um you know tats are also associated with oftentimes the black community especially black men like tatting up their entire bodies, their arms mm-hmm. or whatever is it's unprofessional. Um, but why? Like, you, that's what I'm saying. And even like the politics of that, the politics of professionalism, even like with black men, I once had a, a, a good friend that said that if he ever wanted to enter politics, he would probably have to shave his beard and ditch the forearm tat. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's not Wave City anymore. Maybe we got to do a little short little cut or something. Yeah. So it's like even Black men have to deal with this too. And like, you know, covering up your tattoos and like, whatever. My One of my closest friends, Jasiri, his arms are tatted to the nine. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going on the forearm yet because I can at least cover the first half with the button up shirt. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is not, yes, we're focused on black women, but it's, it's, it's an overarching thing. The concept yeah. of professionalism and, and the tattoos and the piercings and self-expression and dyeing your hair, just like all these different things are also very intersectional. Yeah. And like, I remember back to that class I had freshman year, like um, my teacher, who was also my advisor, Mr. Manso, he was like on presentation days, if you have tats, they better be covered. If you have a hoop nose piercing in, it better be a stud. Mm -hmm. If you have hoop earrings in, take them out. They better be studs. If you're a girl and you're wearing a skirt, you better wear stockings, like very traditional. right? Right. And I remember I think you could see on my face that I was like, what? But he was just like, you, you're attending an HBCU. 
And he was like, and we all here, majority black people, we know how we are perceived in the workplace based on certain things. So he was like, do I agree with these rules? No. But am I treating you how they would treat you? Yes. And that's where I was like, that's what's so, like, he's literally sitting here, like, basically telling us, like, I don't agree with this. I don't think this is unprofessional, but I'm just judging you based on how possibly a white employer or a non-Black employer would judge you. Because mm-hmm. not only, like, not to get, like, sound crass, but not only are you Black and then you're covered in tats and then you have piercings, they perceive that a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know? And and that's when I think my freshman year, one, that's when I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm solid in my choice of HBCU because they're just, you know, basically teaching me how to how to survive in corporate America Mm -hmm. but also I think that's when I realized just how unfair it is for us a lot of the time when it comes to like interviews and like just in corporate America in general because like we have to take all these extra precautions well not saying the whole tattoo thing isn't um for non-black people as well but on top of that being black it's it's a definitely a, a different kind of look you know that they give you. oh yeah oh for sure yeah and I mean my mom worked in corporate America till late 2000s and um she has a tattoo on her arm and she one small tattoo is a tiger lily right on her on her upper bicep and I like every single time she went to work the shirt was always covering her bicep Mm -hmm. and like literally one time when she was like about to quit (laughs) she came in like I guess when like a strapless or something and the her old boss was like oh I didn't even know you had a tattoo and she was like yeah (laughs) like I mean, because she's not about to like, you know, and like, you know, trust and believe we both have tattoos. So, mm-hmm. I mean, my mom told me that I can get a tattoo as long as you can cover it. Yeah. And, you know, or it's not that visible when I'm itching to get a tat on my arm. First of all, I know my dad would slap me sideways if I got a tattoo on my arm. <laughs> not sideways. <laughs> but... And my mom, I feel like, you know, it'll be a little, a little back and forth, but she'll get over. But my dad, bro, nah, nah, Mr. Hackett's not having that. So I've been a little weary on that. Well, one, because I don't want to get in trouble with my parents, but two, like, I mean, I was about to, I, you know, I'm going to say I'm grown, but like, you're never grown. A- Yo, don't even say that. <laughs> I don't even know don't why even I say that. Because I'm really not. <laughs> Girl, I'm 21. I'm 21. I'm still here. Like, let me, let me wait. Let me chill, this. bro. Let me, like, for me, my, my first. Here's this, bro. She's really about to be like, so you think you're grown? You know, for real. It's like, I'm not, I'm not grown. I'm, I'm, I'm not grown. I was joking. I was joking. I was joking. I saw TikTok. My age might be one thing, but I'm not, I'm sorry. Never grown. <laughs> but like my first ever and only tattoo that I have right now is on my left forearm. So it's like, it's like goes to, it's just a small quote, but like it goes to like um, about midway to my forearm on my inner forearm part. And it's like, it's easy to cover. Um, All my presentations or interviews I've been to, I am able to cover it. But no, I don't definitely even notice it like that to be honest. Yeah, it's it's small. It's it's small. not it's not like some big noticeable thing, but it was definitely a back and forth with my parents when I told them I wanted it on my forearm. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, "Why don't you just get it somewhere like I don't know, just get it somewhere where you can't see it." But I was like, "But that's the thing, I want to see it. <laughs> like I I like it. I want to see it. I don't want to have to look at my back in the mirror, or I don't want to have to like you know twist and contort my body to see it. Like it's something I want on my arm as a reminder, and it's in my mom's handwriting. So like." I wanted it there and then looking at it I'm like I love my tattoo but let me not wear a blouse with some short sleeves on my inner at my interview no matter how small it is you never know like you know Mm -hmm. so I know we're talking about natural hair but as you know everything's intertwined we got on the topic of professionalism and like tattoos and everything which blows my mind that they're seeing it to be like so unprofessional but like Rayna was saying, we don't have the answers. Um, we don't really expect anyone to have the answers. There's no concrete answer to what now. Mm-hmm. You know, so y'all on this journey with us. And I hope that um, Black, any Black people listening to this, Black women, you know, we, we you feel, you feel what we're saying. And it's kind of like resonates with you. And like, like, because we, we get it, bro. That whole anxiety of, how am I going to wear my hair for this interview or in this setting? 
when you know that like your other coworkers probably don't have to think like that it's frustrating right right yeah so yeah 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 that was our mini natural hair series yeah this was exciting this was definitely fun to chat about and I definitely think we should circle back on this another time um hopefully to me and I will both be interning in the summer so maybe things will change yeah maybe we'll have an epiphany over these next couple of months or I'm just gonna say screw it I'm gonna wear some box braids mountless braids to to my shit you never know yeah let's let's circle back to this once we have our jobs like in our interview our not interviews our internships and and let's talk about how we've been feeling yeah I mean the virtual environment has been saving me in terms of like oh in terms of um like you know looks and stuff because yeah, I'm I could saying. just you know put on a little shirt have my pajamas on the bottom my hair looks crazy I could just put it back or you know mm-hmm. or, you know what I'm saying like it's easier but once we start getting back in person shit gets different it does get different so so yeah I enjoyed this mini series um as you heard in the AAVE episode we were well that's when we decided to do this mini series which you guys heard in the episode I we were like we should do an episode on that and that's how we came up with this idea but um I would love to keep doing like tiny little not as a series but like it's like two-part episodes where you know yeah. yeah if something can't fit completely in the first episode but I especially enjoyed this one because I feel like it's something that we don't talk about a lot mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people like you know they see us and they see like our hair is like done a certain way and it's like okay but you don't know how much thought anxiety time patience and money went into this right so so yeah but we're gonna see you guys in two weeks yeah two weeks two weeks um and so I guess that's it this is Tamia signing off Raina signing off and thank you guys for listening we'll see you in two weeks